I were to ask you to give me the most influential people that you could think of, who would you tell me about? If I were to say, go back in history, find somebody that you think has had a great benefit on this world, somebody who has influenced this, our society uh, perhaps some you know, hundreds of years ago, what would you say? Who would you give me? Maybe you would give me somebody like Sir Isaac Newton, the great mathematician, the one who helped invent calculus, the one who helped in the discovery of gravity, someone who is certainly influential to our world uh, and to the way that we think today. What, if, what about somebody like Johannes Gutenberg, the German inventor who experimented in 1440 uh, with printing and then some 10 years later in 1450 seemingly perfected it uh, to invent the first printing press. And instead of printing 40 to 50 pages a day, they were printing up to a few thousand pages every single day, certainly influential to our world. What about somebody like Albert Einstein? Not just famous for having won a Nobel Peace Prize in uh, 1921, but also for uh, his theories on the quantum theory of light, the theory of relativity, expanding much upon what Isaac Newton had already discovered. When we think about influential people, certainly many individuals come to mind. In fact, when I think about influential people, I think in our minds we always go back in time, don't we? We always go back not even in, in this, the re most recent decade or in uh, perhaps the few past decades, but we seem to go back uh, 50, 100, 200 years perhaps, even further back. And that's who we think about when we think about influential people today. But you and I know that influential people haven't just died off, had they? have they? There are certainly people in our world who are very influential, perhaps some for good, maybe some not so for good. But you and I know that in our world today, we have a whole new generation of influential people, don't we? And what do we call them? Well, we call them influencers, don't we? And obviously that's dripping with sarcasm. They really are not all that influential uh, to our world. And they probably do maybe more damage than, uh, than good. But we think about platforms like Instagram and TikTok, where these uh, quote-unquote influential people have gained followings to where they have you know, hundreds of millions of followers who look to them for perhaps things that they need to do and products they need to buy. We look at people like Cristiano Ronaldo or Selena Gomez or Kylie Jenner, who are the ones who have the most followings on platforms like Instagram. And when we look at people like this, we understand they're influential, don't we? Just perhaps not influential in the way that uh, maybe you and I think about influence today. You know, when we think about influence, it's obviously something that is extremely powerful. It's something that is extremely powerful, and I think we can look at it really in a couple of different ways. Number one, we can look at it from the, from the sense of if you are the one who is the influencer, you can make someone, you can help mold someone into thinking or acting in a very certain and specific way, a way that you think is appropriate, a way that you think they need to be doing things. But you could flip that coin, and you could talk about the one who is the influencee or the one who is being influenced, and how you as that individual could have your life molded or shaped or influenced by someone else to be doing things or living or saying or acting in a way that somebody else deems appropriate for the situation. This year, we're focusing a great deal on our mission statement here at Roanoke. The idea of strengthening our families and influencing our communities by embodying the truth in love. A large portion of our sermons this year are going to tie in to this particular statement that we have set out as a focus for us here as a family at Roanoke. What we want to do today and this morning and also tonight is we want to focus um, 
more so, I guess, on the family aspect of this. And in talking specifically to a group of people who we might consider to be of the older generation. Now, you can, I'm not putting you there. You can put yourself in that category. You can take yourself out of that category if you want to. I'm not saying that you need to be in there. But the important thing that we all need to understand is that regardless of where we might fall in whatever category it is that we think, lessons like what we're going to talk about this morning and also this evening are extremely beneficial, regardless of where you are in life, regardless of what age you might be. And specifically this morning, we're going to talk about this idea of influence, specifically the I in influence. When I, talk, when I think about the idea of influence, this is a, a subject that really is multifaceted. It's a subject that we could come at from a lot of different angles, from a lot of different ways as we talk about this idea of influence. A lot of ways to look at it. We could talk about the idea of not being influenced by the world, couldn't we? We could look at passages uh, like 1 John chapter 2 talking about not loving the world and how we shouldn't allow that to affect our lives. We could talk about how you and I as Christians are to be an influence on the world and so many other ways to look at this particular topic of influence. But today I want to focus more specifically really on this aspect of perhaps a role model and how role models can influence other people, specifically talking about those of the older generation. How can you be influential to a younger generation? How can you be influential to not even just a younger generation, but to anybody else with whom you come in contact? How can you be influential to them? You know, when we focus on the, the idea of role models, I think there's a lot of different directions we can look at this. When, when you think about a child uh, growing up, people have all kinds of role models. For me, when I was growing up, I loved the sport of basketball. I loved watching the NBA. And I grew up in the era uh, where I, I got to watch the, the 2008 Boston Celtics, where they had players like Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and people like that. Some of you guys are probably like, who in the world are you talking about? I know, I know Sam knows exactly who I'm talking about. But I grew up in that, the era where, where Kobe Bryant was just phasing out of, out of his prime and into his later years. And I looked at that as individuals who I thought were just the greatest people in the world because of the way that they played a specific sport. When we look at role models, we can think about athletes, we can think about celebrities, we can think about music artists or whoever it might be. But here's the thing. Oftentimes, when you look at these role models, these people that we tend to place up on this pedestal and look at for, for perhaps ways in which we need to live our lives and maybe pattern our lives after them, when we look at people like that in our world, they oftentimes begin to instill characteristics within us that are not Christ-like, don't they? They begin to make you and I act in ways that we know that we shouldn't, but we do them simply because we're being influenced by these people that we might call our role models. So the question from me to you is this, parent, uh, grandparent, just simply as a member of the Lord's church, how are you at being a role model to those around you? How are you at influencing the people that you come in contact with on a daily basis and specifically within our family here at Roanoke. Let's talk about a couple of things as we talk about this idea of influence. Number one, I want you to understand this, that no matter what your age is, you have an influence. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what you've done. You have an influence. I think oftentimes you and I believe as we look at our lives that we perhaps are in this age bracket the, the, to where we are people that just are simply not noticed by other people. 
But, but the thing is, for many of us, we often think that no matter what age of life we are in, we are always in that category of people. Think about it this way. Think about people who are in high school. People who are in high school, maybe you think no one really notices me as someone who's in high school. I, I, I'm young. I don't have a job. I don't have very much education. Certainly, I don't have an influence on, on anybody else. No one notices who I am and, and where I am. But then you go on to your college years. You're getting into college, perhaps you're getting out of college, you're beginning to find your first job, and maybe you're thinking, I'm still trying to figure my life out. I'm still experiencing things for the first time. I don't have a way to influence people. I don't have anything to offer people. But then maybe you continue on, and maybe you get to the point to where you're what we would call middle-aged. And maybe you think that somehow you have now become irrelevant, and maybe nobody else notices you because you're being phasing, phasing out of what we might call being cool, and nobody notices you because of the age that you're in. But then maybe you continue on and you get older, and maybe you think, I don't really have that much left longer here to live on this earth. I, I don't have much to, uh, much, much to offer. Maybe uh, I'm past my prime, as we might say. What do I have to offer? And in all reality, regardless of your background, regardless of your race, regardless of your job, regardless of your social status, regardless of where you are, including your age, you have an opportunity to influence the people around you. With that in mind, it truly ought to change our perspective of ourselves. And ultimately, how you and I are willing to live our lives here on this earth. As we talk about those who are of an older generation, certainly there is much good that can come from being influenced by someone who is in that age category. Talking about your wisdom, talking about your knowledge, your experience, all things from which other people can learn and can better themselves. And I think we could look at this from really a couple of, of perspectives. Number one, we can look at this as an opportunity to learn from all of the good that you have done in your life. Perhaps you were someone who grew up in the Lord's church. Maybe you had a great experience in your upbringing. As someone who was brought up in the Lord's church, you understood what the church was about. You knew what Jesus Christ had done for you. That was what you had been taught from the time that you were a child. Think about the influence that you could have on the people that you come in contact with. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 11, whenever the Apostle Paul said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. A bold statement by Paul, isn't it? Paul laying out the, the statement that if you follow me, you're going to be following after Christ. Paul didn't say it out of arrogance, did he? He didn't say it out of pride. He didn't say it out of, hey, I'm better than you, so you need to only follow me. But rather, he's just simply saying, I am someone who's striving to live my life after Jesus Christ. And so if you live your life like I live mine, then you too will be following after Jesus Christ. Look at all the things that you've accomplished for the Lord. Look at all of those things that you've done for God and use those things as a way to influence the people that are around you. Not in an arrogant fashion, but much like the way that Paul did in Philippians chapter 3, and we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Use it as a way to utilize your past for something that is good. Are you someone who can say, imitate me, allow me to influence you, because if you do, you're going to grow closer to Christ. But then I think about this from another perspective, and the idea that uh, it's an opportunity, people, for also to learn from perhaps the bad that you've done in your life. 
I'm reminded of David in Psalm chapter 51. You and I have talked about this before. We, uh, we briefly mentioned this in our Bible class this morning. But David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had murdered her husband. He tried to lie uh, to, to hide it all. And Nathan the prophet in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 12 comes to him and he tells him that you're the one who has sinned. And, and so David understands that and he, he begs for forgiveness from God. And in doing so, he pins one of the most beautiful psalms in Psalm chapter 51. And if you look at verse 13 of that particular verse, David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Certainly the idea that David was going to teach the people who were around him, he was going to influence the people who were around him to not make the same mistakes that he had made earlier in his life. Maybe you didn't grow up in the Lord's church. Maybe you, you, you have had an experience living outside in the world where you didn't have the comfort and the peace and the security that you get from being within the Lord's church. You have an opportunity to influence people by telling them how unfulfilling it is to live for the world. How empty it is. How deceiving it is to live your life for yourself and for the world. You have an opportunity to share with people, to show people that it's not worth it to love the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. That it's better to be different. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You have an opportunity to influence someone to have that mindset. You know, not only do you have an influence, but you're also commanded to have an influence. When you read throughout the New Testament, there are commands given to all kinds of groups of people. Christians, young and old and in the middle. And about all of these things that you and I have to be able to fulfill as New Testament Christians, and as it comes to this idea of influence, the older generation has a command to fulfill in this area. Notice Titus chapter 2 with me. Titus chapter 2. When you look at this particular passage, um, we're finding some writings here uh, by the Apostle Paul that he's giving to a specific group of people. Notice what he says here. Titus chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. He says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be what? Sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. It's a command to women who are older to admonish, to, to, to make of a sound mind, to discipline and to correct. In other words, for older women to help the younger women, to be able to know how to serve in whatever capacity it is that they're in to accomplish things for the Lord's church and to do great things for Almighty God. Show them how they can be useful, how they can be effective servants in the kingdom for Jesus Christ. But then continue on. Notice uh, in verse 6, Likewise, in the same manner, in the same way, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is uh, an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. You older men, he says, paracleo. In other words, exhort, beseech, comfort, pray for, lift up. Help these young men, you older generation, Paul says. Influence them for good. Show them how to teach. Show them how to preach. Show them how to be a leader in the Lord's church. Understanding that you and I have an influence as an older member of the Lord's church is something that can be used for so much good. 
And yet on the flip side of that, it's also an opportunity for something that can be used in a bad way too, can't it? Just as it is for everything in life. There's a good aspect to it, but then there's also a downside. There's also a bad aspect to this. You can take your opportunity for influence and influence, yes, in a good way, but you can also do it in the wrong way. You could do it in your attitude, in your actions, and in your words. Certainly, you can influence in a bad way if we're not careful. Whenever we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth when he says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We usually, we study this and read this in light of, 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 of saying, people, be careful who you spend your time with, right? Parents tell their children, be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who you call your friends because they could influence you in a bad way. But certainly, could this also not be a warning, at least in principle, to not be the people who are considered the evil company? To not be the people who are a bad influence on those who are around us, but rather a positive influence. Certainly, we need to make sure that we're not the ones who are the evil company. What about Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, where the Proverbs writer says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Don't be a companion of a fool, Solomon says. Don't be a companion who, who is, goes with someone who doesn't make wise decisions, but in the same breath, don't be the one who is the fool. Don't be the one who acts like a fool to where you begin to influence people in the wrong way. You have an influence. Never underestimate it, but also don't overestimate it. Use your influence for good, especially with those of a younger generation than yourself. I want you to think about this. If I'm going to have a positive influence, if I'm going to look at myself as someone who I can help people around me because I am in a role model position, Three things I want you to think about that you can do. Number one, if I'm going to have a good influence, a positive influence, then I, number one, I need to have an inward examination. If I'm going to make a positive impact on the people around me, I need to have an inward examination. I need to be able to take a magnifying glass and I need to be able to run it over my entire life and make sure that what I am doing runs parallel, runs right in line with the Word of Almighty God. And that if there are changes that need to be made, I am humble enough and willing to make the changes that are necessary. James chapter 1, beginning of verse 22, James says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But, verse 25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If I'm going to have a positive influence on the people around me, if I'm going to be someone who is considered a good role model, then I think we need to understand a couple of things. That Number one is this, I'm not perfect. I never have been perfect. I never will be perfect. But just because I'm not perfect, it shows me that I need to be able to see the growth and improvement within my life. You see, being a Christian is not living a life full of unrealistic expectations, but rather it's living a life that is full of achievable and attainable goals. And that as I study through the Scriptures, it shows me where I need to improve, where I need to grow. It shows me those achievable and attainable goals in my life. And involved in doing any kind of inward examination, I'm going to make the necessary changes in my life. But I also have to understand this. 
that I can be useful in terms of influence in this way. I think far too many individuals of an older generation look at themselves and they think that they're no longer useful for the Lord's kingdom. They think that perhaps they're too old or they're too out of date or or maybe uh, they have nothing left to offer anybody else and whoever they're around. Brethren, that couldn't be further from the truth. What did Job say? In Job chapter 12 and verse 12, wisdom is with who? Aged men and with length of days understanding, regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you might be, you have great wisdom to offer the people around you. What about 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 20, Paul telling Timothy, but in a great house there are not vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, notice this, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Paul says, look, if I'm able to purge myself of that which is dishonorable, if I'm able to take out of my life that which does not benefit me or help me or does no good for the kingdom of God, then I am able to be used for honoring the name of Jesus and useful for His cause. Brethren, one of those uses is to be able to influence and mentor those of a younger generation. See, I have to be sincere in what I do. I have to be sincere in how I act. If there is one thing that young people or any, a lot of people can do, it's, able, it's, it's being able to sniff out hypocrisy, isn't it? Aside from the fact that it is a characteristic that will keep you and I out of heaven, it's something that is detrimental to our influence on those around us, especially our young people. Be, be sincere. And the way that you serve God, it was what Joshua said in Joshua 24, there in verse 14, he said, serve God in sincerity and in truth. Be willing to serve and influence those around you, but do it in a sincere way. Here's number two. I have to have an inward examination, but then I also have to have an outward proclamation. I have to have an outward proclamation. And when I think about this in terms of influence, I think about this specifically with my attitude. The idea that, yes, that's inward, but it shows forth on the outside, doesn't it? Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, Galatians 2 and verse 20, you've been crucified with Christ, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. When I have an attitude, when I have a mind that is focused, that is pointed towards heaven, when that's my goal, when that's my mark, remember Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. When that's the case for me, it reflects in my attitude, which in turn reflects in my actions. If you have a bad attitude, if you grumble against your elders, if you badmouth the preacher's sermons or the way that they conduct themselves, if you talk badly about your fellow brethren, whoever it is that they might be, our young people hear that. They notice that the people around you understand that, and you're influencing them. Even if you think you're all, you aren't, you're just influencing them in a way that's not good. Here's number three. I have to have, number three, an upward glorification. I have to understand that in everything that I do, I have to be willing to glorify and able to glorify God in everything that I do. I don't influence those around me to praise and glorify myself. I don't try to help someone else out or mentor someone so that they'll be able to go and say, oh, so-and-so was such a great influence on me. Oh, so-and-so did so many good things for me in my life. You should try to go be friends with them and try to go talk to them. That's not why we do it. We do it so that we can point others to the Father. You know, Jesus, what he said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. He's worthy of our praise, our glory, and our honor. First Chronicles chapter 16, beginning of verse 25, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Verse 26, For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. When we talk about God, we understand God has done everything for us. Thus, we should point everyone to Him. We do so through our faith in His Word, through our worship to Him, and through our service to one another. And in the process, I'm teaching others. In my influence, I'm teaching others how to upwardly glorify Almighty God. You see, you have an opportunity to help instill with the people around you the goal of directing all praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ. Just as we point it to the Father, we influence those around us to also point themselves to the Father. But you know, involved in that entire process is sometimes as you're helping people along in life, as you're helping influence people in their lives, sometimes involved within that is something that's not very fun. And that's this idea of pointing out failures in people's lives. If I came up to you and I said, the judge has granted you pardon from your time in prison, what would you think? You'd probably think, what in the world are you talking about? You might even be offended because what? You haven't done anything worthy of going to prison. But if you had done something that was worthy of putting yourself in prison and being sentenced to a specific time, then certainly that would be welcome news. Well, in the same way, you and I can offer criticism and the promise of spiritual pardon to the people that we influence because every single person needs that pardon from their sins. Sometimes we have to be willing to point out failures, and in doing so, we show the way to the Father where that pardon is waiting for us, but also involved in pointing others to God, not just the pointing out failures, but also the encouraging and edifying aspect to this. Not just in pointing out the bad things, but sometimes we need to be like Barnabas, don't we? In Acts Acts chapter 4, verse 36, uh, Barnabas is called the son of encouragement, someone who was able to edify and build up and bolster up the people who were around them. And when we think about Barnabas, I think this is important for us to remember. You and I need to try to be a Barnabas in the midst of a Paul world. What do I mean by that? I mean by that is this. In a world where so many people want to be like the Apostle Paul, which is not a bad thing. Paul was one of the greatest evangelists to ever walk this earth. But I think in the way that so many people want to be like Paul, and that Paul is somebody who everybody knows. Paul was front and center stage. Paul had everybody knowing his name. And I think too many people want that. Too many people want to be the one who baptizes and who restores and who was the one who was up front doing all of those things. And instead, I think sometimes we forget that being of a great benefit to the Lord's church is just simply being someone who encourages and who edifies. Something that is far underappreciated, something that every single Christian needs. There's an old adage that's, that's been said before, be careful what you say and be careful what you do because little eyes are watching you. And I know that this is more perhaps in the aspect of maybe high schoolers or college age with the younger people who are always watching you, but despite your age and despite where you are in this life, you have an influence. Despite your past, despite many and most things, you have the ability to influence someone to do great things for God or to turn their lives around and to push them out the door. To those of an older generation, utilize your wisdom. Utilize your experience and your knowledge and lend that to those who are around you. Be willing to help and to influence the people with whom you come in contact. And it might just help them 
more than you ever realize. This morning, you and I have an opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. Perhaps you are someone who is here, but maybe your life is not what it should be. Perhaps you are someone who's been studying, maybe through study this morning or through on your own, you understand that you're not a part of the family of God. You know that in order to do that, you have to hear the word of God, believe it, repent of your sins, confess Christ's precious name, and to be baptized into water for the remission of your sins. If you want to do that and take care of that this morning, we would love to help you and assist you in that. You can come forward, you can do those things, and we'll baptize you. You can walk out these doors rejoicing, knowing that you're a New Testament Christian, just like the Ethiopian unit did on the day, or on in Acts chapter 8 there on, the, on that road. Maybe you're here this morning, though, and perhaps you are a Christian. Maybe your life is not what it should be. Perhaps there's sin in your life. Maybe something is amiss. Maybe you as an older person of an older generation understand that you have not been acting right and in the way that you need to be. And perhaps you understand that you very well could be influencing someone just not in the right kind of way. And perhaps that's between you and God. Take care of it between you and Him. Maybe you've done something in a public form or fashion that other people know about and you need to let them know that you've repented, know that you can do that. You can come forward. We'll take uh, what you have to say. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll do all that we can to help you, to assist you in any way. If you have a need this morning, won't you come? As together we stand and as we sing. Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. If you'd like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262. Or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.